Season's greetings, everyone. Welcome to the 137th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. And welcome to our first annual Socially Distanced Holiday Spectacular, part one of three. And um, we're starting off with a real, we're starting off with something because it's a thing that we all did. We watched the Star Wars holiday special from 1978. Fun fact, this, according to Wikipedia, has aired only one time anywhere in human history. It has not ever been published to VHS or DVD, Laserdisc. It's not streaming anywhere. I'm not going to tell you where we found this. It was on YouTube. I'll tell you that. I'm not going to promote the channel. Because I don't want this person to be in trouble because literally that person is a hero to us. Uh, because this is one of the wildest things anyone will ever watch. And luckily, I have very two very intrepid uh, partners on this journey. And it, it was a journey, all right. And what better way to do it than with, of course, the human Star Wars encyclopedia, who is the only one of us who's actually seen this before. Amanda Rivas, uh, but it had been a while. Yes. How are you holding up? And most importantly, how's your son holding up after seeing this? Yeah, I traumatized my child. Uh, his like his any reaction. Good parent. His and it, like any good parent. I mean, if, if he's going to go to therapy later, he might as well. You know, he might as well earn the the, the bill. I guess. Um, the and, bill and comes his, due. Why not? Exactly. Exactly. His reaction to all this was. Mom, what are we watching? And mom, baby, baby Chewbacca scares. He creeps me out. Mom, he creeps me out. So um, when your, I, your I, small I, child was not the only person <laughs> in America who said that in 1978 or in 2022. Yeah, yeah. It um, holding up afterwards. You know, I watched this with my aunt the first time, and my aunt is is a, was the one who got me into Star Wars. She she's the one who helped me get into all my nerd endeavors, and so I owe her immensely for it. But she's a big fan of Carrie Fisher. So she was like, we're going to watch this Christmas special. It's going to be great. And the first time I watched it, I was like, what just happened? <laughs> what just happened? So um, second time, it still was it. My sentiments as a child did not change. So <laughs> what um, just happened? <laughs> I've never done drugs at an EDM festival. I'm assuming my co-host or co-pilot on this podcast may have allegedly then you've thrown shapes into the middle distance and into the ether of the electronic arts was this it was just like what it's like to be on drugs there is one only explanation for why this exists and that is cocaine <laughs> Pure and simple. Uh, that that is it. Uh, there was a bunch of writers in a room that were just blowing. Will <laughs> will will I talk about if there actually were as a script to this thing? Because I I don't know about that. But yes, this is the first part of our Christmas uh, triumvirate. Uh, next week, uh, our podcast editor Alex Marcus, who on the day we record this. Well, this will that will be his fourth podcast he's recorded that day. So he's going to be literally losing his mind. Um, he's never watched Die Hard. Uh, the three of us um, have watched Die Hard. Ben will not be joining. Ben, actually, because he's going to be watching the Washington Commanders Giants game, as will Al, because I <laughs> I can't schedule things at the right time. But if you guys want to show up, 
I, I ha- I'll tell you offline what your intro will be if you want to jump in. But we're going to be joined by Allie Nelson and Tyler McCarthy uh, from the Not Couple Goals podcast. Um, I feel like I, Tyler's like, Allie's got a lot of takes on Die Hard, and I think it's going to be a lot of thirst. And so I am very, very excited to see what she has to say. And then our final episode of the year. Ben didn't know he's invited to this episode, but Ben's invited to this episode. So it'd be myself, Amanda, Al, and of course, coming back from California, Kat Manos, Cole Rothhacker for the Socially Distance Awards. The first ever time we're doing this. What are the award categories? I don't know. We're going to come up with them. Don't worry, guys. You'll have them at least 24 hours before you have to make a decision it'll be great it'll I'm be just, great i'll make it easy just put andor in every category for me and we'll, we'll, oh, we'll go there no they're going to be really <laughs> ridiculous they're going to be like okay. what happens if we got the guy from the honeymooners or what happens if we got b arthur from golden girls to sing a well, song in a space cantina there you go that, I was about to say we got b arthur <laughs> hey, 24 hours of prep time is way more than i think that they took to put this thing together so we'll I, be fine i i don't even think they had four hours. But uh, before we get into that, we're going to go into our first segment of the podcast, which we're calling, I'm calling right now, the pregame. Uh, we're going to start doing this. We kind of did this last week where we touched on the Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny trailer. But this one is uh, it's a pretty wild story, harkening uh, back to our first season where we had our seriously what the fuck um type of news story that's what we're going to be doing with these going forward if we can. And that story is that Henry Cavill. You know Henry Cavill, handsome guy, plays Superman, Man from Uncle, movie you guys should all watch. I know Army Hammer's in it, but just watch Man from Uncle. It's great. Um, he in October, he's like, guess what? I'm back. I'm Superman. He happened to be in a movie that Warner Brothers and DC put out. I'm not gonna give the movie away that maybe is on HBO Max, and I heard really rocks. Um, if you don't understand what movie I'm talking about, Black Adam, it's like it's going to be on HBO Max for you to watch. And then um, Merry Christmas, Henry Cavill. He just announced he's no longer Superman. Classic DC. Uh, let's talk about Henry Cavill out of the DCEU. And of course, we just talked about a few weeks ago, Amanda uh, and, and everyone else. Uh, ben, I don't know if you're on the podcast. Hey, you were on that podcast, right? Yeah, we were talking, I forget every podcast. You're on every podcast. <laughs> just to assume you're on that podcast um, about James Gunn taking over uh, DC. And he had his meeting, Henry Cavill, with James Gunn, Peter Zafrin, and well, he ain't Superman anymore. So, guys, let's. I, I don't really remember. I don't remember who's on podcast. So, I don't remember your guys' thoughts on Henry Cavill as Superman. Uh, so, Ben. Your thoughts on Cavill in the role of the Man of Steel? No, well, whatever. It was the title of the movie. So, yeah, I mean, Reeves is still my Superman from my childhood. So that's kind of always going to be the person that I think of initially. Um, and a painful period in which Dean Kane was on like TNT or TVS or something. But I watched a lot of that too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Cavill was great in the films. And I think probably one of the standout as far as, uh, you know, DC Universe goes, um, which. In, in terms of movies and building out the universe, I don't think has reached the level of success and you know continuity that Marvel has. Uh, but Cavill was a, a shining light, I guess you could say, in that world. For me, I actually really liked him in the role of Superman, but I actually liked him better as not Superman. Mission Impossible, the oh. aforementioned Man from Uncle, uh, The Witcher, 
I think there's and currently he's going to be doing a Warhammer series. Um, we stop me if you've heard that one before. Um, so yeah, I suppose that he's doing that. So I've liked Cavill as an actor outside of this, but uh, him not being Superman anymore. Let's face it, he was Superman in two full movies, part of Justice League, and a cameo elsewhere. Like that. Um, so it doesn't hurt me. This, uh, although it hurt a lot of people, people be pissed. People calling for James Gunn's uh, Snow White head on a platter because you know deep people react really well. And I don't mean that literally. I mean they just want to be fired. Let's hope I didn't mean literally. So Amanda, what's your thoughts on Henry Cavill as Superman uh, prior to this news? Well, you know, I like Ben grew up with Christopher Reeves as my Superman. He has always, so he was always a benchmark that I held any Superman movie to. I mean, I, I loved Christopher Reeve and it had, he of course had a lovely charm and everything about him. Um, I really liked Henry Cavill in the, in the role. Cause I did. I also watched Dean Kane. Yeah. We were in the same generation. I felt I shared your pain. <laughs> Although he was cute. Dean Kane was cute. Just, yeah. Um, but Let's talk no. about let's talk yeah. talk about yeah. Dean Kane now. Yeah, let's not. Yeah, no. no. Focus on Terry Hatcher. But, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Great on Great British Bake Off, by the way. There Terry you go. Hatcher. Yes, uh, yes. A revelation. Was. A revelation. <laughs> but um, but Henry Cavill, I really liked him because he reminded me a little bit of Christopher Reeves. He had that same um, charm. It was nice. Yeah, same hair. Uh, he was pretty uh, <laughs> to look at. Uh, the first time I had seen Henry Cavill was actually in the Tudors. Uh, he That's played Charles right. Brandon in the Tudors. Uh, and of course, to break everyone's heart in The Witcher, Netflix has said they're not recasting. There was a bunch of people already that stormed the internet, like, yes, we're going to get Henry Cavill back as The Witcher, um, as Geralt, and that's not, not Liam's happening. Liam Hemsworth. We're stuck with Liam, so um, sadness. <laughs> I know, like sadness. Can I Shots tell you the plot of <laughs> Well, I mean, can I tell you the plot of The Witcher? Sure, based on the video games, but the show, no. All I can tell you is Henry Cavill. That's all I got from the show. Uh, I'm through a seat. Uh, First, I have so many loaded thoughts on that show. (laughs) But anyway, but anyway, um, but I liked him in the role. I thought, again, he gave me the Christopher Reeves vibes for the first time in a while. Very charming. Um, and, And I feel like he's so popular. I think this is probably the most controversial of, you know, with of the different cancellations that are happening. I mean, we've had Wonder Woman 3, all those things that are up in the air at the moment. Right. Um, I think right now, because Henry Cavill is adored as the king of the nerds, I I pay homage to him as the king of the nerds. I mean, him putting together a PC was just the cutest thing ever. Um, I mean, just, well, not ever, but I mean, for us who love Henry Cavill, it was quite adorable. Um, but he's a genuine nerd. And so I think when you have somebody who's as earnest and um, just loving the nerd culture and loving what he does, that makes this type of news even more sad because he, you could tell he genuinely loved playing the part and was invested in it. And so I think that makes this a little bit, a little bit sadder. I think, I, I think if he wasn't as into the role as he is, um, I actually would have been okay. Yeah, we, we can survive the recasting, but I think because again, he's so universally adored right now. Um, it's, it is kind of sad. 
You can feel yeah. for a fellow nerd who loves. I'm in that boat with you too. Cause I think if he wasn't so excited about it, like genuinely excited for the last couple of months talking about it and kind of teasing it. And I, I watched him on an interview. I think he was given for Enola Holmes too, or something. And yeah. they asked him about it a little bit and he was just, you know, beaming a little bit. So I'm, I'm more sad for him than I am for fans, honestly. Yeah, and, and I mean, he's not afraid to make decisions. Like again, even with people wanting him back as the witcher, he was unhappy with, with the direction yeah. that the part was going in. And so to, to, to actually carry again, the Warhammer series, I mean, I think, I don't know if it was the same interview, Ben, where he went off and I think got excited talking to the interviewer's friend about they went on a Warhammer tangent or something. And he was like, ooh, you know, just super geeky. And it was it's great. Um, so as a fellow nerd, you you love him. So it's kind of sad to see a, a fellow nerd miss out on this part, I guess. <laughs> I, I actually really would have loved to have seen him play in that. Because one of the things that reasons came out is James Gunn is writing the new Superman movie. It's focusing on his, it's not an origin story, but it's on his younger days, you know, when he originated. Um, so, yeah, it's just whatever at this point. It's just, and I love James Gunn, don't get me wrong. I really do. But, but, uh, it's, but it's not surprising. I mean, again, I think they're just coming in with the idea of, of a complete overhaul of of the DC universe. And I mean, even for them to want to recast and look at Jason Momoa in the same universe in a completely different part. I mean, that they show their, oh, that door is open. That's what I'm wondering. Cause they both, they, they came out and said, we're big. Uh, James Gunn at least said, I'm a big fan of Henry Cavill. We wish him nothing but the best, but we want to work with him because we are fans of him. So you got to wonder, is there another you know, possibility of Henry Cavill in, in DC. And I, I don't think you can shut that door. Um, and I, but I just want to see what he would have done with the James Gunn script, because I think one thing people don't realize about Henry Cavill besides the nerddom is he's actually pretty funny. He actually is pretty quick witted. And like, I think he could carry his own. And I think he would do great under with the words of James Gunn and under the direction. So I feel like we kind of got a little, well, it wouldn't be the direction, but at least the words. And I think it, we kind of got robbed of that. And I think that's a bit of a bummer. Um, it's almost like when a head coach comes in, like he wants to get his quarterback. So it's like Superman and Batman are like his biggest properties. So let me get my new guys in here and start fresh. Is what it seems um, like anyway. Yeah, it definitely does feel that way. It definitely feels like we, we're, this Superman script is going to be the impetus for this new direction of DC, which let's get into it. How many times have we seen a new direction for DC, a reboot of DC? How many times have we seen DC recast? Is this, do you guys have like, cause now this was one of the first big decisions. Do you guys still have that faith in James Gunn and Peter Zafrin that we had maybe a month ago? Uh, because remember a month ago, we're like, Oh, well, you got, you still have Henry Cavill. Uh, Oh, black Adam's still a success. Now that's up in the air. If we're going to see a black Adam too given its box office, do we still have that faith or is this just another step with, you know, DC is going to DC, you know, it's just going to, they're just going to make these mistakes. Cause I think it's too early. I feel like Ben, your head coach analogy is, and oh, it's almost like, you know what it is? It's not like a head coach. It's like a new GM. And as a New York football giants fan, I've just saw a new GM installed. And sometimes you make moves like the giants cut, Logan Ryan, a guy we all liked. Like we cut, you know, Blake Martinez, a guy everyone liked because they w- weren't fitting the vision they were going for. And sometimes you got to make those hard decisions in order to make things work. So I'm going to stick with my faith for now in James Gunn and Peter Zaffron saying, listen, 
We don't know what their blueprint is. Apparently, they're going to man. They're going to announce in January. Do you guys feel the same, or do you feel like this is just like whatever? It doesn't. It like the names can change. It's still going to be the same. It, it definitely doesn't look good, just because it has like that history. Um, but I think Gunn isn't the type of person um, to not have a plan. So I'm going to assume that he does have a plan. Uh, it's just it's disappointing for now. But you know, we'll see what he actually does when he has to start putting out you know movies and. and Kind of show what that plan is going to look like. Um, you know, I'm still bummed that we're not, we're, as far as I know, we're not going to get to see Keaton as Batman, right? Because that was really what I wanted out of this whole thing. Wow. <laughs> that was the main one. So I'm still more, more, more bummed about that than anything else. But uh, I, I think, like Bill said, it's still too early to tell um, and judge, you know, them and, and their direction as of right now. I I agree with y'all. I think it's it is too early to tell. I mean, I again, we have Guardians of the Galaxy. James Gunn has proven Suicide Squad. I mean, you know, I think I think the yeah. talent is there. I also believe that both, you know, Gunn and Saffron are very earnest or earnest or earnest. Yeah. Ernest, so, yeah. There we go. Ernest, there we go. I can't Ernest talk to was you. Ernest was my, uh, was a the, the yeah. urology teacher in my school who got hit by lightning three times. So Just there you go. Ernest there also go. Uh, went to camp and he saved Christmas. And and didn't he go to jail, jail as well? Yeah, <laughs> he did. He, did. <laughs> he had scared, a long, fulfilling life. He scared yes. everyone stupid. Exactly. Exactly. So, but I, I feel like both of them are going in with the best of intentions and really want the universe, the DC universe to succeed. Um, so I, I feel like if this first movie that Gunn does goes well, then I think people will have more faith and are ready. It is always hard to hear this type of news. Again, we all love Henry Cavill. I mean, even Gail Godot's Wonder Woman, who knows what's going to happen with that particular property right. now too. I mean, these are, these are fan favorites <laughs> that you're, you're going for. And I think parts of the DC, the current DC universe that worked. Um, so that's always a hard, it's, it's hard. Um, and there have been so many different reboots and whatnot, but I feel like, again, that there's some good intentions here and there's intent to stay long-term and really invest in this universe. And again, with Gunn having worked with the Marvel system before, I mean, you, you got to learn a little bit from that too. So maybe putting some of those, those uh, skills to work will help better. I'm going to hold on to the faith. I'll hold on. Yeah. To faith. I think it is a little too early. Like you were, I, I think we all kind of expected there was going to be some sort of seismic thing that happened and people were going to get mad. So we'll see, but we shall see, but let's get into something truly that was a thing. Like I said, the 1978 Star Wars holiday special, you can only find it on YouTube because it has been suppressed. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, so this holiday special, like I said, aired on CBS on November 17th, 1978. Um, it the was actually which will live in infamy. Uh, it was, uh, yes. this is all according to Wikipedia. It was the first Star Wars spinoff film. Set between the events of the original film and The Empire Strikes Back, it introduced the character of Boba Fett to the world. Now, uh, it also revolves around a thing that is barely fleshed out, and that is called Life Day, which is essentially Wookiee Christmas. Uh, and it's all about Chewbacca and Han Solo flying back to Kashyyyk. Now, Amanda, you will... Correct me if I pronounced that wrong. <clears throat> you said that right. Yeah. Yay. Uh, for Life Day, where Chewbacca's family, his wife, Mala, his father, Itchy, 
and his son, Lumpy, are waiting for them. This uh, special uh, stars, of course, Mark Hamill as, as returning as Luke Skywalker, Han Solo played by Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher returns as Princess Leia, Peter Mayhew in the role of Chewbacca, and Anthony Daniels as C-3PO. Also in this special, musical performances by Jefferson Starship. <laughs> yeah, that really, we built this city on rock and roll. Yeah. At least that, the name fits. It does. It's, it's the a, one it's that a doesn't fit is Diane Carroll, who uh, appears as kind of a VR seductress, who then breaks into a really ballady song. Um, Art Carney, who people in their 30s and over, in my age and older, will know from the Honeymooners. If you don't know what the Honeymooners is, turn to your local CW affiliate on New Year's Day. They're guaranteed there will be a marathon of it. Um, Harvey Corman is in this. Who's Harvey Corman, you might say? Well, uh, if you've ever seen the Carol Burnett show, he was a mainstay on that. If you're a Mel Brooks fan, he starred in Blazing Saddles. He was also in uh, History of the World Part One. Um, he was a voice in The Secret of Nim 2. The Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas. He was in the Flintstones movie. He was in a lot of stuff that outside of he was in Herbie Goes Bananas. There's a lot of stuff you probably don't know him from. Uh, one person you will know is B. Arthur from the Golden Girls. She was definitely in this. Guys, I cannot. Um, I cannot simply stress this enough what the actual fuck happened here what was this who thought this was a good idea now this is a year after the first star wars film comes out it's a it's a cultural phenomenon amanda so help I, me out. i have a, i have a theory i really I feel like you too I, I really <laughs> is it cocaine can we <laughs> you know it's a very fitting end to the yeah. if you really think about it i guess it's like very trippy and but i really feel like maybe there was a special of some sort intended for b and art i think i think they were intended to do something but then it was well star wars is so hot right now we're just gonna mesh these two together we're just going to, so, cause they really feel like two separate entities. It, it's like watching a bad Star Wars episode with a bunch of filler. If you're watching anime, you hate those filler episodes that are in between. They actually have nothing to do with the story. I just want to give a couple of Star Wars, a little, uh, some more background on this. So this was directed by Steve Binder or Steve Binder. Um, he directed things that were very popular, like, Apparently the exactly the Petula Clark TV special. We were not going to know that one, but the the famed Elvis Presley '68 comeback special that was a cultural phenomenon. That was huge, and he directed a lot of specials for a lot of older comics and the musicians of the ones you might know: Pee Wee Herman, Barry Manilow, Chevy Chase. This he's not exactly a household name, and spoiler alert: George Lucas has it nothing to do with this outside of based on a story by George Lucas. Yeah. So I, think, this is, 
I, was, I think the idea and what I read with you is that he came up with the general idea of the Wookiees being the central focus about trying to get Chewbacca home, uh, but then kind of stepped away and uh, let people take over. And he had an original director that he went to school with that he had entrusted with this, but that director got in a fight with CBS or something and bounced after doing, I think, the B. Arthur bit and maybe one other thing. It's the other gentleman that you referenced uh, stepped in and um, did something. Uh, I want to say George Lucas was the one who came up with Life Day as well, if I'm not mistaken, that that was the whole idea of Life Day was just to give Chewbacca and his family something to get together on. Life Day in 2022 is legitimately being marketed by Disney. It is what they're celebrating in Galaxy's Edge. They don't put up Christmas decorations. It's Life Day stuff. So when I went down there, they had uh, right before I went down, right before Thanksgiving, around November 17th, by the way, they promoted Life Day. And I'm like, I have no idea. And it's like Chewbacca, they're all these robes. And I'm like, what is this? They're legit promoting it, selling Life Day merch. But I they, wish they had Itchy and Lumpy walking around the park with you that day. Just, oh, that would oh creep me God. out. I would have not known why these creepy things were there, especially Itchy. I would have been like, what is this? So, yes, Itchy is Chewbacca's father, who is very short and very old and gray. And Lumpy is essentially a bigger Ewok with a lot of hair. So the special, literally, I, I, I'll try and give you the plot. Because this is also part musical. Good luck, man. <laughs> this is a part of a, this thing's a part musical, which was not expected or advertised. Um, it's essentially Han Solo is trying to outrun and Chewbacca and the Falcon trying to outrun a Star Destroyer to get Chewie home for Life Day. The Empire finds out about this and tries to stake out Chewie's home. And it's up to a wily arms dealer i guess played by our trader to help them luke skywalker princess leia do nothing they, basically like he'll be fine he'll get there yeah. don't worry about that's, it that's how they tell my like calm down you, there's you, a lot of the of the celebrities we mentioned previously outside of art carney everyone shows up in essentially they didn't have to interact with any characters it was they were on a sound stage somewhere outside of minus B. Arthur and just did something. Um, there's basically two music videos and there's a cartoon in the middle of all this. And that cartoon, I think, I don't know if this was like a Star Wars, original Star Wars cartoon or was part of droids, um, but it was where they introduced Boba Fett. So that's the plot. So much more happens here. Yeah. Guys, yeah. I don't know. Even, it's like it's flabbergasting how bad this is. So I'm going to try. And my first question is, what do you think there was a script? Because I, I don't No, I, I feel like it was a general outline. <laughs> I don't think Art Carney had a line. I think he improv the entire thing. I feel like they had a skeleton of here's a general idea. Go with it. And boy, did they go with it and i want to say actually life day i remember hearing about it in 2020 it was the the first time i heard about it outside of this was the the star wars um lego special the lego star wars holiday special that whole special focuses on life day with ray and finn and everybody 
Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Wow. Well, 2020, a lot happened. I don't remember. Yeah, there was a lot in 2020, but big, uh, not not deal. near as, there's not a whole lot happening. I mean, it, there was a lot happening there, but not like this. <laughs> no. So I, I say an outline, no script. Ben, you've mentioned cocaine a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, you know, popular topic and prevalent for writers' rooms at the time. Um, I mean, so... I did like a dork whole research thing, like on this after I watched <laughs> I'm glad it. you researched this. I watched it during work and I'm like, my coworker, I was telling him about it. He's like, he's in his sixties. He's like, I think I watched this. I said, was it terrible? He's like, Oh, it was bad. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You watched like, I mean, it. <laughs> when you talk about like watching something with your mouth agape, <laughs> like that was pretty much what was happening for me as I'm watching it. And so I had to do some Wikipedia research and then some people like it's a popular topic uh, in certain circles. There's like YouTube videos about it, but apparently there was like a original outline script that was like thick and like very well versed. And then they pretty much just threw it aside because in my mind, I think there was a whole bunch of different writers and they did their own individual sketches and they probably turned them in like the day they had to shoot the damn thing. And then it was up to some poor bastard that had to put it and piece it all together and try to get the narratives like to fit within this you know outline of, of getting Chewbacca home. And then they had to fill two hours worth of time to get all the ads in that they sold for this big Star Wars property. Um, and they probably sold a ton. Oh, I'm sure. And all those companies oh, yeah. were probably watching this thing with their ad running. Like, what did we do? Uh, and so I, like to fill the times, they just let the camera linger, like in these really awkward, inappropriate times on like the worst scenes for far too long just to get the content in there. It's I, I, I think. I feel like the yes, there was a script at one point. I, I, I'll be serious for a second, but I feel like when they got with the comedians and all the people who were in this, like, have decades of comedy experience leading up to this and theatrical experience. And either it was so bad that they're like, you know what? You come up with your own your own gags. It's on you. Or they were like the writers, the the directors, like this is terrible. We're gonna wing it. You're comedians. And these people didn't know Star Wars. And it's just like, I mean, Art Carney was asking, did the old, uh, I got to find this. Where's this thing? I don't even know. It's like, he's like, I don't know where my line, what my line is here. I'm going to go back to a vaudeville sketch from 1924. I did. And it worked. For sort it of, honestly some of the best stuff in it, which is yeah, actually He is this grandpa who should not work in Star Wars, but somehow I wish he was in Star Wars somehow. Like, I would have loved, like, I just want to take Art Carney, who reminds me of my Uncle Duke, who passed away, like, a long time ago. The same dude. And I'm like, you know what? It's a shame George Lucas was not like, you know what? We're going to put you in Empire Strikes Back. We're just going to have you say, like, something. It's just like Star Wars grandpa. I would have been, he's like a fun grandpa. That's what I, and he had, a, it seemed like he had fun on this thing he's just like i'm just gonna have fun with this weird little this baby wookie that's it ah kid and i'm like all right at least you're trying which is good that somebody was trying to have fun because the actual star wars cast members that were in this thing clearly did not want to be yeah. there <laughs> like apparently han solo was so against this and like because of this he tried to get out of his star wars contract which allegedly yeah. uh, led him to doing the whole stuck in kryptonite thing in empire because they didn't know if he was going to come back for the third one because they yeah. didn't have him so this this was so bad that Han Solo just wanted to quit the whole damn thing. You, you could tell too in his acting. He just was like, "I can I disagree with you guys on Harrison Ford's performance? I think he gave the most sincere fucking performance of his Which, life. He, he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, he was actually when, out of the original cast. The when he hugs, one. when he looks at the Wookiees, he's like, 
you're my family and almost cries. I believed it. I was like, he's but, acting his pants but those off. Those could be it's, tears of joy that it's almost done. <laughs> no, but like he, <laughs> like I felt it wasn't like Mark Hamill, obviously oh talking into someone saying, "Point, look up here into the sky, like there's a big screen, and just make up, get annoyed at R two D two, and say he's gonna be fine a hundred times." Can, I don't care how stone you are. Can we talk about that eyeliner he's rocking? Eyeliner, too? blonde hair. Eyeliner, blonde hair. I'm like, wow, Mark Hamill. Wow. And apparently, <laughs> this was just after like his bad car crash, so they had to like cake him up with so much makeup to hide all like the scarring yeah. and whatnot, so he looks he looks bad too. But yeah, it reminded like, me. Guy. It reminded me of like you know when you do the. I'm sure they're better now, but the uh, whatever the Galaxy tours, right? Is that Star Tours? That was Star Tours. Uh, yes. still, it's definitely still there. Yeah. So basically, just some like generic video. Like it's it kind of just seemed like one of those clips where they have like somebody look at the camera like, oh hi. <laughs> it's yes. like Doing one of those deals. That's that's what a lot of the actual people involved with Star Wars that were on this kind of felt like. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Bill. Actually, Harrison Ford, despite like knowing that he hated the fact that he had to do this, he at least tried to be authentic, especially in the opening and like his few little bits with Chewie here and there. He hugged Chewie so much in this. Yeah. Like he was, it was just like, I don't know if he was hugging Peter May. He was like, listen, bud, that check's going to clear. <laughs> or he was like, I'm really sorry we have to. Or he just was acting with a capital A. He was really trying. I think Harrison Ford tried, but we have to talk about. I'm going to go over the place with this because there's no reason it was to. all over the place. There's, exactly. Harry, so Carrie Fisher, the late great Carrie Fisher has a song and she's not a bad singer, but did you guys notice something about the music of the song? It's the theme, right? It's the theme. Yeah. They just changed the words. How would they give it words? Well, yeah. No sense, and it's so forced. And did you notice that it drowns her out at one point? It does. Thank you. I thought it was just. I don't know. I thought it was maybe the YouTube clip or something. But oh my gosh, it's it's. There's no live music there. It's not like it's a. This isn't live. This special. This was pre-recorded. How someone in editing, I guess, was just on. It was the seventies. So were they on quaaludes back then? Would that have just dumbed somebody down and be like, hey? All right, guys. nothing would surprise me. Yeah, <laughs> Ben's like, true. Ben's like, everything's on the table. Literally, <laughs> literally, everything was on the table to either snort, drink, or ingest somehow. Um, that song talks about a tree of life, which we have not established. It talks about all about Life Day, which I, uh, they don't establish Life Day at all. How is this? Here's the this is my very serious question. How is this a holiday special? Yeah, and it came out before Thanksgiving, too. Yeah, it did. So, I was saying it didn't even come out during Thanksgiving, or I'm sorry, during Christmas. I don't know what their intention was, honestly. And I, from the Dark Hole of Research, there was like a, a a better outline of what life day was and what it represented. There was a whole bunch of lore that, you know, George Lucas basically provided a whole bunch of information, but then just let them do it and didn't apparently ever check back on it, uh, which is how it got to this point. But yeah, I, I don't know anything about life day other than what the song is. And uh, other fun fact is that Carrie Fisher agreed to be in it if she could sing. So that was her choice to do a song. They wrote that song for her. And I, I don't think she liked the song that she had to end up singing, but she wanted to sing. Yeah, you know? she... She probably was like, I regret this decision. After. You know why? It's like, it was a dare. It's like, you want me to be in this? 
I have to do a song. And they're like, she's like, no way they're going to do a song for Star Wars. George Lucas isn't doing a song. And then George Lucas got taken over by the sitcom brothers or whoever did this thing. And they were like, well, give me a song. And they did. There's another song in this. Oh, gosh. B. Arthur. B. Arthur essentially uh, is running the cantina. And um, the Empire puts on a curfew and she's acting like um, the bar is being shut down forever instead of just like, you know, two hours early. I really want to know everyone's thoughts on this because this was this was a choice. This whole thing was a choice. Don't get me wrong. But this this particular moment, there had been no songs outside of the Diane Carroll and the Jefferson Starship music (laughs) essentially. Um, But this happened. Amanda, the fuck? Yeah, she was just such a such a random choice. And I love B. Arthur. I love she's sure. my favorite golden girl. I loved her name. And I mean, just um, I mean, who can who can't love? And I'm I'm kind of like, you know, maybe I'm I'm kind of feel as well. This kind of came after that whole cooking debacle. So I was like, okay, maybe oh, I'm don't yeah. worry. We'll get <laughs> to Harvey Corbin. Oh, and how he was in three oh, other God. movies, but this one. Oh God! <laughs> yeah. So this came after. So I was, I was a little bit more hopeful because I'm like, well, it's be Arthur, and I could kind of picture her being in a bar, like running a bar. She's got the right mentality for it, like you know, the right kind of like the the witty banter and all that, you know. Um, but yeah, it was a strange, strange. Uh, I, I mean, I give it to this special in that you have a, a female. Uh, in that kind of lead, you know, you really don't see a lot of female bartenders or, you know, who own a cantina. I mean, right. That's true. It was the seventies. It was the seventies. It was pretty progressive for the seventies. And, and, but, um, oh, yeah. progressed to places. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not my least favorite part of the special, but it, it was still unnecessary as much as I love B. Arthur. I love her. I, she tried. <laughs> She did try. She, did she try. definitely tried. She, she sang well. Yeah. I mean, um, but yeah. This, this felt like the way they blocked it and everything. They're like, okay, do you remember? Uh, do you remember this play you did back in 52? Do you remember the blocking from that? Can you do that again? Yeah. Half of it? Perfect. It felt like a, a, like I was watching a Broadway show. Yeah, and, it, it was a Broadway show a in the middle one. of Star Wars. Yeah. Ben, yeah. Uh, how are you? How how did this all make you feel? You've been to a bar before. <laughs> I mean, uh, if a bar if the bar owners I've known for the you know decade plus I covered the Jersey Shore bar scene slash my years of drinking, I I would have appreciated a singing bar owner cl- closing the shop. Uh, but this was uh, not it. <laughs> well, I was mostly still reeling from like the whole you know intro to that incident with the the dude at the bar just harassing her like uh, yeah. incessantly because we'll he thinks that she's <laughs> so i was still you know creeped out by that bit uh this the song was fine in any other context i feel like it would make sense uh for some <laughs> other type of special it's just like most things that are in this deal it makes no sense whatsoever to be in the star wars universe uh outside of like we're just going to put it in besides the cantina which doesn't look like the same place that we saw in a new hope uh and i know that another fun fact is they had so many people passing out you know in that scene trying to film and all these heavy costumes they had to like pump oxygen in and get people oxygen takes in between takes because people just kept laying down right and left 
it's just they had a million dollar budget to shoot this damn thing somehow and i don't know what they spend it on okay um i have to do some monetary conversions real quick because i need to see what that costs today that equates to yeah uh so let's talk about the harvey corman of it who was in this scene who was Kremlin or Kremlin, or it doesn't really matter what his name was. Please don't worry about names. Yeah, he, was, yeah. he was he was hitting on, he was trying to profess his love for B. Arthur's character because she said, thanks, can't wait to see her again, or some horseshit like that. Amanda, just thoughts. And I, I Actually, and he was in two other scenes. He was an instructional robot, and he also was like this six-armed Julia Child alien. Um, t- tell me about your thoughts on Harvey. Cor- well, first off, have you ever seen Harvey Corman do anything before this? That I can recall, no. But well, he did. Well, you said he did. Um, and I remember the show. What was it? Um, History of the World Part One, Blazing Saddles. Well, I knew. Okay, Blazing Saddles. That's I remember Blazing Saddles, but there was a TV show you mentioned earlier that I think it was. Um, Oh, her face is like right there. And I just can't. Oh, Carol Burnett. Carol, Carol Burnett. Burnett. Thank you. Yeah. I do remember him from, from Carol Burnett. Um, I, my grandma watched a lot of older shows and I, I enjoy watching them. So, yeah. So, um, uh, I mean, if we ever do a podcast on I Love Lucy one day, I can probably talk like crazy about that. Yeah. I also love Lucy. As well, I've seen every episode. It was on Channel yeah, 5. So great. Summers. So great. Um, but anyway, but yes, so I do remember him from, from the Carol Burnett show, but yeah, I think he was in some of the most cringeworthy parts. That Julia Child sequence was chop, chop, stir, chop, chop, stir, stir. slap, stir, slap, slap, and slap. Just, uh, what and I'm like, there was no point. Stir whips. I was like, this is important. I need to remember. Yeah. Stir whip, stir whip, whip, stir, whip, stir. Whip, stir. <laughs> yeah, it's in my brain forever. <laughs> Seth was actually doing that. Stir whip, stir. And I'm like, nobody, no, let's not repeat that. I, was like, I wrote it down at work. <laughs> And I threw so it out. <laughs> I mean, it's, it was so even, cringe. That was probably the one that made me cringe so much. I was like, what? What? what other than what, the B. Arthur, I was already cringing from the cooking and the well, Julia Child. The worst yeah. part of that is it also cuts back to Mala, and we'll get into that train wreck. Um, <laughs> like slowly doing all that. They're trying to go for the physical comedy thing, but that was such a slowly paced. It Dang. was, and there was no point. Nobody ate the food. <laughs> there was no, no. payoff. It was so pointless. I was like, why did we watch? You know why? Because there was, our Carney was not told that she had made stuff. So it was like, ah, I'll make it. Essentially, he's like, I'm going to make you a space sandwich. And it ignores the fact that they've cooked this thing. Because hey, I'm going to give you credit. The script. There was a throwaway line where he's like offering it to the stormtroopers. He was like, Wookiee food is not the best, but I can maybe make you a sandwich or something. So he was, I guess, trying to acknowledge the fact that Bantha, whatever it was, dude, I wrote down like so many notes just thinking I would make a simple note about this is really cringy. This is terrible. This is probably one of the top five worst things. And I ran out of space to even care. I was just we like, will, we're going to recap all that stuff we didn't <laughs> talk about just so we can comment on it later for sure. Um Harvey Corman is someone like if you watch Blazing Saddles, he's amazing in that. Like he's uh, uh, Hedley Lamar, not Hedy Lamar, who's a famous uh, older actress. Uh, he was numerous things in History of the World Part One. He is fantastic. He's a great flustered straight man. Um, he's and he's easily the guy who takes the pie in the face all the time. He was somewhere else. They literally put a camera on him and are like, "All right, Harvey, do this." 
And they had filmed him for the one segment that are like, you know what? We need something to fill it. Harvey will do it because either he owes them or they paid him too much money. And so he literally did this Julia Child thing. And I think he just was, they're just like, just come up with your own shit. And he did it. It was terrible because he never saw Star Wars. He never watched Star Wars. It was very apparent. I feel like Art Carney watched Star Wars and liked it. I feel like B. Arthur had to take a niece or nephew to see it. And was probably high the whole time. She just like ripped a joint and went and watched it. And she's like, whatever, I'm B. Arthur. I'll smoke a joint in Hollywood theater. It's fine. That was it. Like, I don't, I don't think, I think, our, 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 I don't think Corman even fucking cared. Man, he was uh, General Grievous before General Grievous with the forearms going around right? staring and whipping things. <laughs> Imagine that was the head like spoons instead of lightsabers. Oh George gosh. Lucas is like, well, my inspiration for General Grievous was actually Harvey Corman's uh, performance in the holiday special. If that came out ever, Please. that would be the greatest fucking thing in the world. I mean, amazing. I would pop. I would pop. It's I like would a combination of all three of his characters, basically. Just like terrible dialogue, kind of like a robot that freezes up and kind of mechanically fails a bunch. And then whip, whip, stir. I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, and then I guess we have to talk about the bar. That that was the most cringeworthy thing to me because like it's obviously old-timey, like, like acting 101 type like stage play improv type thing it's just like i've misunderstood what you've said and i'm going to profess my love for you blah 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 um but it came off really assaulty to me i don't know if that's just me though no you're not alone i was like oh no no re-cringe the re-cringe happened on my part yeah. in fact yeah. i actually i actually changed the chat or stopped playing it for a bit because Seth was here. So I was like, okay, we're going to watch something else for a minute and then I'll watch this. And I, I watched the rest of at that part on my phone because I was like, it's, it's a little too much. <laughs> I would have rather have watched Sophie watch the Rancor eat someone alive yeah. than that scene. Than anything that was available <laughs> yeah. in this, honestly. So let's talk about Chewie's family who gets so much goddamn screen time most of this, um, oh no, um, most of this, um, special is revolves around them, like, and there's so much of this special, but there's no dialogue, it's just grunts. So, let's talk about Mala first, and who's essentially Chewbacca with lips and a very mopey stare, or long, far off into the distance. The- um, Amanda, what did you think of Mala there? Because I, I was of all three of them. That's the one that really just kind of freaked me out the most. Yeah, her. She's such a vacant-eyed expression for so much of this. It's just like just watching her. Kind of that was creepy. The the yeah. I just yeah. yeah it it her stare was creepy. She was not very dynamic. Uh, I'm like, wow, she must be nagging Chewie all the time. I'm like, come on, he's out there like, uh, he's out there constantly on the Millennium Falcon. They have to go and, uh, you know, do their smuggle. thing with the trades and smuggle. I'm like, he's gone all the time. Why are you so upset? <laughs> um, Calm down. Ben, ben what do you think of, of Mala? Because I have some thoughts. Uh, I mean, we were just subjected to whatever, 10 minutes or so of a lot of grunting and roaring back and forth. And, and yeah, Mala was annoying. Um, really the biggest thing with Mala for me, the creepiest part was at the very end when yes. her 
her and Chewie are just staring at each other, looking like they're about to start making out. And I was like, please do not start a full out makeout session. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, at one point I'm in work. I have to like say it to myself because I'm about to, I was about to yell at it. I'm like, are they going to make out? Like, cause it, it looks like they're like two seconds away from just full on Wookiee French kissing. And it's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. And it was so, it felt like forever watching that scene. Like he's all like, all like caressing her. I was like, Oh God. Because she, oh God. her lips are always like kind of open like that too. So it's like, they're really like, we want to make sure, you know, she's feminine. So let's give her these lips that obviously look like they kind of have lips, lipstick on it. And it's just like, they're, they're like ready. And I'm just like, at that point, though, as gross that as I was, I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. At this point, go for it. You essentially had a pop star and a Grammy winner and a Tony winner pretend to be like a virtual sex bot. Yeah, that was that was creepy. Can we talk about that? Please. That do. Was, let's talk about Itchy. OK, oh. Itchy, Itchy had to scratch an itch, apparently, for reals. I was like, what is this? I was like, is this, is this 70s porn? That I'm watching right now. What is it was, happening? It was it, essentially VR like, porn. Right. I was like, um, so again, I, I think for a good chunk of this, I was like, um, hey Seth, why don't you go over there and play or do something? Because I'm here like I don't I'm like, how did my aunt let me watch this? How old were you when you watched watch? it? Oh gosh, I think I was like I was not, I was younger than 10 for sure. Oh, God, God, your aunt didn't like you that day. Um, But yeah, it was essentially, they gave him an Oculus and were like, hands above the belt, buddy, but not really. I really could have done without the flashbacks to like him reacting. I was like, please don't show him licking his lips again or doing like weird like facial expressions. It was so creepy. And then he's like slamming his hand on the control. Like, dude. This oh is making me so uncomfortable. And why was it like also parts of it was like he was the meanest to his grandson. Yeah. But he was also like they made every Wookiee outside of Chewbacca a horror film. 100%. Why? I, okay. I want to know like, all right, so Chewy like is short for Chewbacca. What the hell is like Itchy and Lumpy short for? Because there's no way that's like their full names. Like I get that they kind of went with like a Chewy, Itchy, Lumpy, it all fits, but like it was short for something. It did to fit at all. I mean, I it, was, no. it, it was no. just like, it's just like, this was like, his like, what's funny? We'll call him Itchy. What about the kid? Lumpy. It'll be great. And, well, like, like the kid wasn't really Lumpy either. I would think like Lumpy would be like maybe matted fur or something. Like, if they called the old guy lumpy, I'd be like, all right. Yes. Well, right. the old guy kind of reminded me of, of a knockoff like puppet or Muppet from uh, like the labyrinth or something. The reject. Oh, yeah. Honestly, it, it kind of reminded me of a uh, Congo, like the bad gorillas. Like, oh, yes. It was, oh. it was about that creepy, which is a terrible thing to insert. Myth as a killer this, ape is true. <laughs> to this family film. Well, they, they, put us through a lot. <laughs> they put us through a lot in this family. We got our so first, first dose of 70s VR porn, guys. Oh, my God. And it's like, why would Diane Carroll? I get it. It's Star Wars. Sure. Why would you agree to that? And it wasn't like that. I don't think that was her gimmick back then. I don't think she was like this chanteuse. I think she was just like a good singer. But it's just like, hey, Lumpy. 
Here's her VR port. Yeah, you, maybe uh, they probably honestly had her do a performance to read the script, having no context of like how it was going to be inserted. Because I don't think when they filmed it, they probably even knew what they were going to do with it. No, they were just picking and inserting points. Like, oh, we need to entertain a stormtrooper here. We need to like <laughs> show some kid how to like create a voice box. I don't know, man. None of this. Like, <laughs> this we're gonna have sense. a Jefferson Starship concert right here right. now, and it was like. Uh, and it's probably the best performance of the whole thing. Yeah, it was. It was. They were totally rocking out. They were just like, yeah. guys, we just want you to rock out. It's going to be great. You're being Star Wars. They're like, fuck yeah, Star Wars. God, right. imagine having to tell people that, like, I was in Star Wars. Uh, yep. Really special. I don't want to talk about why. <laughs> this was the inspiration for Guardians of the Galaxy Star Wars Star, uh, Holiday Special. <laughs> James Gunn, you did a great job there. So if anyone's worried about DC... This was his inspiration. He did a great job. Um, Christ, not even. Oh, by the way, one million dollars in 1978 is the equivalent of three point five million dollars. They probably yeah. have to give it all to Harrison Ford. <laughs> so yeah. he wasn't even that famous then. It was probably Mark Hamill because Mark like, Hamill. Yeah. Oh know. God, Harrison Ford was like, "I'm going back to carpentry. I'm uh, <laughs> over this." Shit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's like, "I am done." Listen, Lucas is writing something about me with a hat and a whip, and I'm afraid of snakes. I'll do that. Yeah. Um, God damn, how do you just move on from here? Um, let's talk about something that actually I think worked here. That was the cartoon. Yes. Uh, um. So this is this cartoon where the Millennium Falcon ends up on this planet and Luke and uh, they were going for this, this talisman that's going to help them become invisible or something like that. Whatever. That's not really the point. Um, they end up on this planet. Luke and 3PO and R2-D2 get in a Y-wing. We'll talk about that shortly. Uh, and they go to rescue them. They end up getting stuck and Boba Fett shows up and he's going to help them. Turns out. uh there, this talisman has like put the sleep fever on uh, Han and Luke, and it's up to Chewie and Boba Fett to go get this um antidote from the city. It turns out Boba Fett, guess what? Spoilers, he's a POS. I cleaned it up because your son's right there. Uh, and um, he's working for Darth Vader, who, by the way, I don't think James Earl Jones recorded a single iota of dialogue for the special. Um, there's an unused scene from Star Wars that they just <laughs> put into this. Not the only one. Um, so, yeah. So, and that's the special. And we've introduced Boba Fett. What did you guys think of this part? I, I easy, It's easily the best part. They make Boba Fett here is introduced. It kind of very much, you could see um, Pedro Pascal's performance is modeled slightly off of this. They're very similar. Uh, I think they've got that dual, like pitchfork, uh, like the tuning fork rifle, which is cool. I thought this was the most interesting thing. And Luke Skywalker flies a, a Y-Wing, not a B-Wing, sorry, a Y-Wing. And that's cool. The Y-Wing has an escapable, like uh, like an escape pod in the, in the front. I think that was like super cool. So Amanda, you are the most well-versed in Star Wars animation out of literally any human I know. So what did you think of this? Oh, I loved Boba Fett. This is the first time I saw him and just, he was just so cool. I mean, just so effortlessly cool i really feel like you you got the you got the boba fett that we all miss at this point it was a great introduction it was one of the he's probably the most compelling character of the whole honestly the most compelling character of the whole special the whole 
I mean, it was just such a tease and you just wanted to see more and just, just even just the, the dialogue of the whole, you can trust me kind of thing. Like, I'm, yes. like, I'm yes. like, yeah, I know I shouldn't trust you, but you're so cool. That's <laughs> like, friend. like you're immediately yeah. in C-3PO yeah. is like, you're a moron. <laughs> like yeah. R2D does C-3PO in lockstep for the first time ever in Star Wars. Yes. I'm like, Luke, you're yes. stupid. Yeah, you're very but- dumb. But I would be okay with it because again, he's so cool. Like he just he just comes in, he just owns the scene. I, I you know I forget that I forget that you know Vader is around or you know like you know Vader is there, but and nobody can really overshadow Vader. But Boba did. He did. Well, Ben, what do you think of um? What do you th- what do you think of the cartoon? I mean, it was it was fun. It reminded me of like what Saturday morning cartoons, kind of like quick little hitters. Sure. And uh, I did think it was kind of funny that the cure for having the sleeping pill was to hang them upside down so the blood rushes to their head. I'm not, what? It's like that's it not like, how it works. <laughs> I don't think that's I don't think that's gonna fly here. But again, uh, within the whole scope of this thing that we're watching, I would rather watch an hour and a half of that cartoon than all the other nonsense that they gave us. So uh, yeah, I agree. It's one of the best parts. If you know, right up there with uh, it ending yeah <laughs> yeah it, it ended all right in an alternate dimension um yeah that was a thing so guys um ben you had a lot of notes so i before we wrap up this part i want to get to just notes that you had so we can just <laughs> relive the pain <laughs> oh man uh well <laughs> no I, honestly we've done a pretty good job covering like a lot of it i think down to the bottom piece of this was I mean, if you're really thinking on it, uh, is this the worst thing ever like produced for television? Close. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I saw a made-for-TV movie where David Hasselhoff was Nick Fury. Oh, that was way better than this. Oh, uh, send me that because now I'm just intrigued. I it's definitely streaming somewhere. I think. You know, we'll say it does make like the the Ewok movies that they ended up doing probably because they couldn't do Wookiees, knowing how badly that was going to go. They were like Oscar worthy contenders compared. Oh my god! It was like Citizen Kane. Those are so good. Um, Yeah, yeah, I I was initially creeped out. Like as soon as they started like panning into their treehouse and we saw these Wookiees with like the green carpeting and and they started like doing a family thing and they just have eleven minutes of dialogue and we're basically them miming out like wookie sounds and we're trying to figure out what the heck's going on uh and then to to appease us for a minute they give us some kind of weird dancing like gymnastic yes. show like i was done right there and that's the like i messaged you guys as soon as i was watching this thing for the first time just like what the hell is this and it just downward spiraled i mean like like amanda was talking about those the three bits uh that um that he had were probably the, the cringiest uh, we got, but I mean, it's just one thing after another other fun facts that, you know, goes in line with this. And I don't know where they spent all the money, but uh, at the end, the reason that all the Wookiees are in those like creepy eyes wide shut red robes uh, is because they couldn't afford full costumes. They only had the heads. So they just had to cover up the rest of the Wookiees for the, the tree of life celebration. And damn it. If they didn't like have like a Lord of the Rings thing where there was like six yes. different endings. I was like, is this over? No, we still have. <laughs> yes. What are we doing? And that's where I come down to, I'm assuming that they just had to fill two hours worth of time for their ads. And so they're like, all right, we got to keep extending this. So we're either going to have the Wookiees make out or oh. we're going to show some clips of the movie that we like. Uh, yeah. And, and that's, that was a weird thing with the clips of the movie. I'm like, this has nothing to do with life day. No. This is just a recap of the first movie and the, the the way they pan out to peter mayhew's like chewy face where he's just like 
staring. I mean, it's such a weird, I'm like, this is a weird thing to have flashbacks. If you think of life day about joy and love and happiness, you probably would pan to your family, right? Not, not the 19, not the, not a new hope. I don't know. I think it was maybe just an attempt to be like, uh, remember that the Star Wars is actually good. It's not garbage like this is. Please remember the good times and Empire Strikes Back it, will be coming soon. It, it didn't. Um, it wasn't like like I've seen many a Disney YA movie like The Descendants, for example, seen them a million times. They always would do a flashback of like the entire movie, but it would be right before the climax or right before something would happen. This was not even of this special. It was just like, Oh, here's the movie. Eh? Eh? <laughs> Star Wars, right, kids? Imagine, you love like, the Star Wars. But imagine like somebody that had not seen the movie yet and the special comes out and this is what they watch first. Do you think they were the first in line to buy that Empire Strikes Back ticket? Like, I wonder if this hurt sales at all, like initially until people were like, no, no, it's it's actually good. No, you know what? They were just like, I think like every Star Wars fan was like, no. No, it's good. But like the problem was, I don't think VHS was even really in 78. Definitely wasn't a thing or it wasn't prevalent. At least I don't know my VHS history. I'm sorry, America and the world. Uh, but yeah, so you couldn't just record it off the TV and like yeah. play it back. Well, that's yeah. So let's would you would you recommend someone watch this? Amanda, I feel like I feel like if you say you're a huge Star Wars fan, you have to experience this horror at least once. Um, if anything, for the cartoon, I know you could probably splice out the cartoon, but really, this is almost like a rite of passage for Star Wars fans. You know, you're a hardcore fan if you can sit through this and watch it. Um, so, I would say if you're a hardcore fan, you got to see it at least once. Because it's so ridiculous. It's such it's such a it's such a life changing experience, and not it, this for me is on the level of trolls because, too. Because you saw um, it when you were ten and had to go to therapy, probably. Yeah, yeah, that's part Wait, of it. Trolls too, as in like Princess Poppy like, trolls too. No, trolls too, like like the OG. Oh, okay. Troll, like this is like oh, that's Trolls World that. Tour. It's David Trolls too. Never mind. Sorry, yeah, I paid yeah. twenty dollars for it. <laughs> but you know, it's like right there. It's it's one of those where it's so bad that you really have to watch it and make fun of it, and it gives you an interesting head scratcher. It's a great conversation starter. <laughs> you have so many thoughts on it, but I feel like, like as as a Star Wars fan. It's like the room, but less, less, less people know it. Um, and less people quote it all the time. Uh, but are you, are you glad that you watched this? It was a fun trip down the terrible nostalgia lane. I love watching cheesy, terrible movies to make fun of them. So this, I mean, I was watching things like shark i mean sharknado like i reviewed every uh, shark yeah zombievers yes. you know alien or uh, plane versus the volcano i like terrible movies just to make fun of them we had bad monster movie nights just for this sure. whole thing dean kane being the ruler of many of those movies um, <laughs> um tooth yeah it's uh, <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you gotta go full circle right exactly um, but I would say, I, yeah, if you're a hardcore Star Wars fan, you have to experience this at least once. And yeah, I'm I'm glad I can have my son go to therapy because of me for this reason as well. Okay. So uh. beautiful. Um, <laughs> ben, 
Would you recommend this to somebody? And were you glad you took this journey? No, absolutely not. I, I, if anything, I feel like question. I feel like both. I feel like we suffered through this so that others won't have to. Uh, you know, if you've ever been curious and you happen to listen to this podcast, I hope that that curiosity is uh, satisfied and that you don't have to suffer the same fate that we did. Uh, I wouldn't wish this upon anybody. I mean, again, Uh, unless unless you're going to be doing a smorgasbord of every drug on the table and you just want to watch something that's going to trip you the hell out, then sure, why not tap into this? But uh, it is god-awful garbage and it's super creepy. I am so happy I watched this uh, because like, I've heard about it and it was as bad as I thought. Was it a painful fucking experience? Oh, my God. I fast forwarded through some of it because some of it was so slow. I'm just like space bar, space bar. I'm like hitting the arrows on YouTube. I'm like, come on, come on, come on, come on, get to the dialogue. And then you finally get to it. Um, would I show this to someone else? I wouldn't show the whole thing because the whole thing is so painful as a whole. It's terrible. I would just show the worst parts to people. I'm like, look at Roger. Look at, look at Harvey Corman here. He has no idea what he's, he's not in this movie. I would put the, like the, the B. Arthur song, or I put like segments on because as a whole, it's actually not even good, funny, bad, funny. It's just like, it's fucking painful. It's terrible, but individual segments, hilarious. Um, and I'm glad I have those individual segments now in my life that I can go back to and just say, what was that? And every once in a while, I gotta go like, cook, cook, smash, smash, and then Ben will be like, no, 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 it's not it. I have it on my phone still. It's great moments like this. I'm glad we did this podcast. But I'm never gonna re- recommend anyone ever watch this from start to finish because that is, it is just torturous. Um, so guys, Merry Christmas! <laughs> That's our uh, that wraps it's up ha- happy life day happy you know what i'm yeah, sorry happy life day guys. happy life day everyone um and i think they're actually selling the chewbacca shirts red shirts with them all holding the orb at the end that's the thing disney we is, need to get one is what that sounds like it's way too expensive to- it's way too expensive it's like 40 dollars we can't find maybe we find bootleg ones oh, we, we get it when it goes on sale because no one <laughs> okay um okay. i'll keep i will definitely look for them don't worry um <laughs> That concludes our celebration of Life Day and the Star Wars holiday special. Spoiler alert, we're never gonna we're never going back to this again. Um, tune in next year. Who knows what we'll do? Uh, but now we're going to get into the end of the podcast where we talk about not our pop culture recommendations, but our holiday slash Christmas season recommendations, and of course, plugging our social media. So, Amanda, I'm going to go with you first, my resplendent co-host, who I just damaged you permanently by bringing up old scars from when you were under 10. Um, What's your Christmas uh, recommendation? And uh, just tell people where they can find you on social media. Well, my Christmas recommendation is going to be something far better. (laughs) Way, 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 way better. Uh, Something that my son and I enjoy and watch every Christmas, even sometimes outside of Christmas. But 30 years ago, a wonderful thing called The Muppet Christmas Carol came out. And um, now the extended extended version with the song that was cut out is back on Disney Plus. If you look under the extras section, you can get that full extended uh, the original movie that we all grew up in and watched. So that's out there. Uh, we've watched it probably about four or five times already and love it. Uh, I will always heat wave. It's my island in the sun. Wait, wait, yeah, that, that's, that's, I'm here for it. Um, 
so that's my Christmas recommendation. And I, I am primarily active on Instagram at Amandalorian. And um, yes, cannot wait for the new season of Mando, by the way. Inspired my name, so. <laughs> there you go. Ben, um, we had a big game this weekend. Commanders and Giants. Uh, spoiler alert, you're probably going to win. Uh, what? Uh, where can people find you? Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, what you doing on Pop Break? And a Christmas recommendation. Yeah, so at BD Merkison on Instagram and Twitter. Which we all found out your middle name this week, which was great. (laughs) And it ties into something we talked about on this podcast, but we're not going to say it because we don't want people to find you. (laughs) You know know what? That is a full, full circle now. I didn't didn't put that together at the moment. It's like a figure eight. There you go. I like it. Um, so, I mean, just to pump up your coming podcast, uh, Die Hard, first and foremost, is the greatest Christmas movie of all. So you should definitely watch that and listen to your podcast upcoming. Um, outside of that, there's a movie that not a lot of people have probably seen, but on, on Disney Plus a couple of years ago, uh, Noel came out. So if you haven't watched that one. Anna Kendrick, the woman yes. who launched yes. so many streaming services. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, her and Bill Hader, uh, Bill Hader's character is supposed to become Santa Claus, uh, rebels against that and kind of just takes off to Phoenix, which is funny because I was living in Phoenix at the time. And part of it takes place at Desert Ridge Mall. Shout out to that mall. Uh, and um, yeah, he's he's there. Uh, and so it's it's really funny, kind of cute, tugs on the heartstrings a little bit uh, in the right moments. And uh, it's got the cutest little reindeer you'll ever see in a Christmas movie. So uh, check out Noel if you haven't caught that one yet. And what do you got coming up on Pop Break? I know you just um, you dropped a couple things recently. Yeah, well, I'm currently trying to watch through and review, but it's weird because it's at Christmas time right now. But um, the new Jack Ryan season three uh, is out. So I'm kind of in the middle of that. It is good. Action packed, as always. Um, so I'm looking forward to finishing that one up and, and reviewing that. And then uh, what else we got coming up? Oh, uh, Sarah Michelle Geller is going to be in a new series that's dropping uh, called, um, I think, Wolf. Maybe I got that wrong, but um yeah i'm gonna review that as soon as that drops because you know why yeah we do as for me if you must follow me on twitter i'm at bodkin writes w-r-i-t-e-s um most recently on the poprate.com i dropped my reviews of uh the great british bake-off uh holiday season five i also did uh guardians of the galaxy holiday special written review i will be having a top uh, a top five reasons you should watch and or on your christmas break uh article coming out hopefully right before christmas uh i also am going to be talking about um the holiday episode of the new uh the second season of baking it which is uh, my rudolph and uh amy poehler and I might have a couple other things up my sleeve as well. Maybe I'll do Willow. Maybe I'll talk about National Treasure. Who knows? See how uh, busy I don't get this holiday season, uh, which I have a feeling I won't be for once in my life. Uh, so for me, my recommendation, well, first off, check out thepopbreak.com every single day at the pop break on Instagram, up at the pop break on Twitter. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with an old season one favorite uh, of Socially Distanced, and that are the two ducktales holiday specials which you could find on disney plus ducktales obviously is one of my all-time the original one of my all-time favorite animated mm-hmm. series and the new one is absolutely fantastic of course david Tennant plays scrooge mcduck if you did not know that now you do you're welcome uh the first one is him uh meeting uh hanging out with the uh, ghosts of christmas past present and future kind of play off on mickey's christmas carol uh it's pretty funny jack mcbrayer plays the ghost of christmas past it's all about um him wanting to keep everyone in the past 
and not move forward because then what's his point? And it's actually a really good episode. Uh, it takes some of the boys back to meeting their mom. Uh, and it's pretty cool. And the second episode actually uh, is about how Scrooge and Santa used to be partners and how they both invented Christmas. And it's actually really uh, heartfelt and heartwarming and a little emotional. Uh, it's pretty great. But pretty both are pretty great. You could find it obviously on Disney Plus. Uh, and surprising, this is not on Disney Plus. So pretty rad. So. Yippee-ki-yay, we're going to the Nakatomi Plaza next week. So we'll catch you for our Die Hard special. And then we're closing out the year with the first ever Socially Distanced Awards. 